Yo, what's going on? And thank you for tuning into the first ever episode of Can We Talk About This with Murphy Wells. I'm him, Murphy Wells. Um, and in this episode, I kind of just wanted to come off the cuff and be raw and really break down what it is I have to offer you guys and why I hope you care. But even before all that, you know, I also kind of want to tell you my story, um, which is a pretty long story, but it paints a good picture of who I am and what this show ultimately aims to do, which is to inspire people and it's to talk to people and to help people develop. And for me to kind of unload some of the things I've done and been through and experienced through the years that I think can help other people. That's ultimately the goal of any good product or services I've learned is that you should be there to help people, to offer a service. And you've got to be willing to take chances and go first in places where most people are not willing to go. Um, so what do I really actually want to achieve Like, with can we talk about this? Why was that the name of this show? First and foremost, I'm a communicator. Um, I spend most of my day talking on phones, using Zoom, talking to coworkers. Um, I'm very, very social. And within social circles, you run into certain topics and contemporary events that almost get hush-hushed. Uh, I'm a very forward-speaking, very objective human being. And I think most folks shy away from topics largely because they don't want to offend anybody um, or they just don't know enough to approach it. And I'm not saying I know everything, and I'm also not saying I don't offend people, because I definitely do. But with this show specifically, I wanted to talk about some gritty things that I've experienced in life, some things that I notice in life that I'm not okay with, and to acknowledge things in life that I really do find happiness in when I observe them. Um, outside of that, it's about helping everyone develop personally, too, because as you grow, you learn. And if you can execute what you've learned on well, then you can share it with people. Fun story. Um, one of my immediate authority members at work once told me he felt comfortable putting me on a phone because I never shut up. So I appreciate you because you really had a point and I love you to death. Um, and I say that with the act, absolute honor and acknowledgement of that person. Like he's he's been instrumental in getting me to this point. Um, and so one of the last things I really hope to achieve is just like to connect with people. I mean, if you haven't realized this yet, guys, like the more people you connect with and communicate with and build real relationships with, which I know we only have so much bandwidth to create real, great, sincere, practical relationships with so many people. But I still want to do something that I think offers value to people, that teaches them something, that inspires them and it makes them laugh and smile. You know, this is also going to be part like improv comedy while I'm at it. Um, most of it will probably be shitty. But, you know, if you stay through to the end, I can definitely chalk that up as a win. So besides what I'm really trying to achieve with this show, I wanted to tell you a little bit about who I am and where I came from. Because, like I said, when it comes to communicating with people, you have to communicate experience. A lot of people communicate opinions, but no one really communicates experience these days. I can think of a few really great people who do. And I, I, I hope to be mentioned among those great people someday whom you know, with their content, they're really influencing folks and it influenced me. But where I am right now, I'm currently 29 years old, living in St. Louis, Missouri, where I was born and raised. Um, I've lived here most of my life besides six years I spent in Springfield. And legitimately, guys, I work for the greatest company on earth, a company known as First Form. Um, if you ask really what we do, people would say supplements, people would say apparel. Uh, we change people's lives, plain and simple. Um, and with that, I've made a lot of amazing relationships and how I got there 
is not like I think most people would expect. I, I've been through a lot of stuff, guys. And I'm not saying I'm a victim. I'm saying that I accept responsibility for that stuff that I've been through, which when I look at my childhood, I was raised right. Like my mom did an amazing job raising me. Um, very blue collar, very middle-class upbringing. And it was awesome because I felt like a real kid and my mom worked her ass off to give me that. Um, and when she couldn't spend time with me because I was at school or she had to work, I was also largely, she really showed me from a young age what the value was in being blue collar and working for your keep. You know, she worked four nights a week from like 4 p.m. to like 1 a.m. Uh, at a bar and restaurant in St. Louis, um, the Hill of St. Louis, which this place is no longer open, but it was called Mr. B's on the Hill and it was fire. I eventually worked at this restaurant for multiple years too. But getting back to what my mom did for me, she really showed me that you can do anything if you work your ass off and just stay on track with getting what you want. And she was eventually able to buy a house and take us on vacations and make sure that I always had clothes on my back and food on the table. And she married a wonderful man too, who did an amazing job raising me. Um, you know, I had great parents. And when I think about where I went in life, as a student, guys, I was incredibly average. When I was younger, I made really, really good grades. It was weird to see me get a B in middle school. But about the time I was 13, I really stopped caring about school. And since I didn't care about it, I didn't really invest ample attention or interest into it. Nothing really, nothing really spoke to me. I didn't want to play sports. I didn't want to do the clubs thing. I didn't necessarily even party. Like I really didn't party until I was like 18. And that being the case, if you don't really have anything to focus on, you'll kind of just focus on nothing or anything for that matter. And I really just wanted to communicate with people. I was raised in very social environments. When you're around bars and restaurants, you gravitate towards conversation. You know, my mom was an awesome conversationalist and that made her an awesome salesperson. And with that, I picked it up all along the years, but no one was really into the things I was into. Kids like sports and partying and I was into like music and nerd culture. Um, and I never really had like a definite friend group. I bounced around a lot. I met a lot of people from a lot of different friend groups, some of which I'm still close with today, some of which no idea what you're doing, but I hope you're doing well. <laughs> um, and without like a stable group more so, I, I, I met people who were also bad for me in life. Um, and that kind of continued into my college years too. But it was about the time that I graduated from high school. I, guys, I was a pretty well-behaved kid. You know, I'm not going to lie. I talked back every once in a while. I snuck around a little bit, but I really didn't get in much trouble until right after high school. And to tell you the truth, when you look at my college years, they defined me so much, not because of school that I went to or a degree that I still haven't got, but more so it was because I really enveloped myself in a lot of experiences that the younger me would have never experienced. You know, when, when, when you're around the city of St. Louis, you understand that things get like real, real quick. Um, and even in the suburbs, you know, it, it, you, you just get that like there are people out there that are messing with things and situations that you may not be. And when you're around those things to any capacity, you have a tendency to get sucked in with them. And what started off as like harmless partying, you know, hey, I graduated from high school. Woo. Yay. <laughs> it, it, it really quickly became a lifestyle largely because I thought I deprived myself of this kind of fun for most of my life. When most kids my age, most teenagers my, my age were partying by the time that they were 13. I was, you know, I wasn't about it. But then when I kind of broke free a little bit, 
you know, I dived head first, guys. Like, I really got deep into the partying. And with that, it started out as drinking, and then it was smoking pot, and then someone would bring something else around every once in a while. And it becomes your life. It becomes like, wow, this is all I want to do. These are my best friends. These are the people who I'm going to be spending the rest of my life just hanging out with, living it up with. And for months and years on end, that can definitely be true. But those habits you start to pick up, that lifestyle you start to build, well, it doesn't pay for itself. Let's just say that. Um, I would hold, hold down like odd jobs. I just worked in restaurants pretty much for about seven or eight straight years of my life in some capacity or the other. And with that, you know, it was good enough money for a kid who didn't really have dependents and didn't really have bills to pay for, you know, rent or a couch to crash on at the very least was most of what we worried about utilities too. But, you know, it, it was cheap being a kid about 10 years ago. And so what I realized is, hey, partying is a lot of fun. And I noticed that there are other people who make money at partying. They literally just go to parties, slip someone a bag, and they make some cash. And that's what they do all day and night. And they have cooler stuff than me. And they're more confident than me. And I can learn a lot from them. And you know what? I did learn a lot from them, from a lot of them. There were a lot of people who I met over the years who, whether it be something I'm really proud of these days or not, I learned incredible lessons from. And as far as it went from there, as far as the lessons I learned from there, it was about, hey, <laughs> we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to make a lot of money. You're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to have a lot of conversations. You're going to create a lot of memories and you're going to get into a fuck ton of trouble. Um, from the ages of 18 to essentially 23, guys, those five years, most of it is a blur to me. If I'm just being honest. Partying, traveling, doing all kinds of dumb shit no parent ever wants to hear from their kid, calling my parents from jail more times than any dude ever wants to call his mom from jail. But when you're in jail and you only have so many phone numbers memorized, it's like, well, fuck, <laughs> can't call the cops, 911, I'm already here, <laughs> so I'm going to call my mom. And guys, as much fun as I had, which I honestly wouldn't trade for the world, what I learned and what I took away from that time was that no one's going to take care of you but you. And I don't mean it in terms of, I wish I could go back to the illegitimate lifestyle of, you know, making money underhandedly, dishonestly, because that's not what I mean. What I mean is when you're in trouble, when you don't know where to go or who to call or what to do or what this situation is going to look like in even 24 hours, how do you adapt to the situation and either just figure it out right then and there or create a plan to figure it out. And so the next most important thing that I realized is that basically about the age of 23 guys, you need to have something figured out. And I don't mean you need to have something figured out. Otherwise you might go to jail. That's definitely true. And that's definitely a possibility for probably some of you. I mean, it was for me, but more so I didn't feel like a kid after I was 23. Mind you, I got arrested four months before my 24th birthday and one hell of a quarter life crisis. But like at 23, I really just didn't care about the same things anymore. And it wasn't just because I had essentially pissed away all the earnings I had made from those five years. It wasn't because I was facing down probations and court dates and jail sentences and prison sentences. And it wasn't just because I, I, 
I didn't have a plan beforehand. More so, it was just that I realized I couldn't fuck around and be a kid anymore. It was rough. It was really rough. Because the wise man has told me again and again and again, show me your last thousand days and I'll show you why your life looks the way it does. And legitimately, when I think about it, he couldn't have been more right. Because from the time that I was 24 to about 26, 24, 25, 26, I can count. <laughs> I, I completely reset everything. I was going to school and I stopped skipping classes. You know, I'd been in college for five years at this time. Um, I started working just a regular blue collar job and I got out of the, 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 the hustle and bustle of the game. I realized that I had to start dropping friendships and I had to start investing in me. And I also realized I had to spend a lot of time alone. But I also really grew to love that part. I really grew to love the part where I didn't feel the need to perform or impress anybody. Because to tell you the truth, guys, and ask any dude who's been in that line of work and then get out of it, a lot of it is just to feed your ego because you're insecure, because you see people making it the legitimate way and know that you are not doing the exact same thing they are, so you feel inadequate. Or you saw the people who were really prolific hustlers as you grew up, the dudes you looked up to and you thought were prolific, and you're doing your best to one-up them. And it's all typically just to make up for the fact that you can't find an idea that's original and just stick to it and execute on it, whether it's working for someone or if it's working for yourself. Ultimately, more dudes who hustle would be awesome entrepreneurs. But, you know, we all hate paying taxes. But And so about this time from 24 to 26, I just worked my ass off. I stayed out of trouble. I did everything I could to be a regular functioning adult. And guys, it was boring as shit. I, I enjoyed very little of that time of life because I was going through the worst quarter life crisis that I could have ever imagined for myself. It was fucking brutal. And if you don't know what a quarter life crisis is, which I would think most of my listeners do, um, but if you don't know, you won't know. A quarter life crisis is that part of your middle 20s where you're not really a college age person anymore. Uh, you definitely have made some decisions that have had some long term ramifications and you don't really have a good idea about what your future holds. You could hold down the best job at this middle 20s age. And at the same time, you could feel so totally inadequate about what it is you're doing and where it is you're going that you will question yourself and doubt yourself and really go down the spiral of depression and anxiety. But pretty much like right at 26, you kind of start to see the way out of it, at least I did. But I realized something. Basically, from 2013 to 2018, I had been living in Springfield, Missouri, which was my college town. Uh, I went to Missouri State University. I was a member of a fraternity down there. I worked at all kinds of restaurants and bars and clubs. And it was some of the best years of my life. But I had realized that, like, okay, if I'm going to survive this whole quarter life crisis thing, if I'm actually going to make something of myself, I got to make a big move now and I got to stick with it. And so, Around the time that I was really invested in my middle 20s and personal development, I got into fitness, um, which started out as a weight loss journey to burn off all the junk food and drugs and alcohol that I had been inducing. Uh, actually turned into me really enjoying lifting weights and powerlifting. I was kind of the stereotypical deadlift guy for a long time. And for what it's worth, there's nothing wrong with being a deadlift guy, but I was the dude who was posting a deadlift video probably no less than four times a week. 
Um, Because I was just so proud of me, who was five foot eight, who never played any sports growing up, who has no background in anything athletic. I was like, hey, yo, I can pull five plates off the ground. Ha 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 ha. You know, powerlifter stuff. (laughs) Um, And while I was down there, I started shopping at supplement superstores. And if you don't know what supplement superstores is, if you need help with anything fitness, nutrition, and you want guys that truly and gals who truly care about you and want to see you succeed and you're in the Midwest region, uh, go check out your local S2 if there is one around. So in Springfield, which is actually where S2 started, uh, that is where I eventually found first form products. And when you think back to what that middle 20s age was, it's when YouTube fitness was popping the fuck off, man. It was... 2016, 17, 18, 19, and really around 18 is where you kind of saw it kind of top off a little bit for what it was back then. And I was just into everything, being exposed to all the supplements, all the the big first generation of influencers that I really identified with, and some that actually taught me some really cool stuff, and some that have gone to do other really cool stuff. Shout out Hodge Twins, because like if it weren't for you two, like I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. The idea that someone in the industry cared about me, that was largely missing until I went to S2. Um, And I did a little bit of training down there. It was really cool, but I was not in the right headspace to take it up yet. I was still largely going to school at the time. But when I was ready to leave Springfield, I remembered a guy who I went to high school with named Matt. And Matt was working for First Form. And so First Form and S2 were owned by largely the same people. Uh, First two people that come to mind, Andy Frisella, Chris Klein. And... He was working at the headquarters of First Form, which looked like an awesome experience. It looked like all of these people just being fit, being healthy, being active, still having a good time, still knowing how to have a beer, still knowing how to grill out, still listen to freaking awesome music. And the fact that it was a company led by Andy, like I'd been listening to his podcast, I had been watching some of his content on YouTube, and I really vibed with the fact that there was a dude from St. Louis who just spoke so raw and unedited and told it like it was, it was one of the major factors of me getting my shit together. So those two things really being equal in my mind, I know a guy and I like this guy's stuff, like podcast and supplements included. I hit Matt up and I was like, dude, how's it going? Haven't talked in a while. Uh, Can you give me a job at first form? And so we had a really long conversation in person one day And he told me the straight up truth. He goes, look, man, this isn't a job. It's a lifestyle. You're going to get there early. You're going to start in the warehouse. It could be five, six days a week. You're not going to be making like a million dollars straight out the gate or anything like that, but you are going to, you're going to work your ass off and it's going to be something that you both do every day, but like look forward to doing every day. And he really was like, dude, you need to humble yourself if you're going to do this because I know what you were doing back in the day, but I made my case saying, look, I I need to invest in something. I need to focus on something. And this inspires me. This guy inspires me. His content inspires me. His life inspires me. What you've been able to do has inspired me. And I think with my story, I can inspire others. Schmatt replied, if I didn't already see that, I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. So in August of 2019, I packed up all my bags. I moved back to St. Louis from Springfield, which I told myself my whole life I would never, ever do. And then I fucking did it. And speaking of humility, this wasn't like I had a whole bunch of money saved up. Like for those three years that I was 
really getting my shit together, guys. Like I struggled to just get the fuck by. It was bad. Like it was really bad. But that's what those middle 20 years are for. All the bad decisions you make in your early 20s when you're at college or when you're just fucking around and you have nothing to focus on, you're going to make up for it in your mid 20s. And then your mid 20s, once you get over that, really, you have no more time to fuck around. I'm in my late 20s, pretty much as of the time I touched down in St. Louis. And being in my late 20s, pretty much from the time I got here, talking about humility, I slept on my mom's floor because I couldn't afford to bring back my mattress. I slept on some <laughs> chair cushions from some outdoor lawn furniture and a pillow and a blanket. Um, <laughs> and I did it in the basement, which, which was always cold. And I would wake up at 4.30 to get to my job at 5 a.m. And First Form HQ back then is not was not what it is now. Um, it was just a couple of warehouses with a really cool couple of front office areas. The thing that made it awesome was the people. Which, let me just be honest, when I touched down there at first, I was really, really bad about connecting with people all of a sudden. And why I say this is because you have to understand, guys, this is trying to be uncommon amongst uncommon folks. The people who work for this company create the standard that I'm expected to meet and exceed. And it's a very, very high standard. And when you come from a place where out of your immediate friend group in college, you are the one person who's really invested in personal development, going to the gym and actually training, eating correctly, meditation and spiritual practice, reading books, seminars, a place where that is the expectation for everyone there, you can feel some type of way about it. Your ego can start playing tricks on you. And it largely did with me. This is a very social community, guys, where enthusiasm and building great relationships are among the core values that build that place and that service. And I did not fully buy in probably for the first six weeks. Um, honestly, I was thinking about ways that if it didn't work out at first form, how I, a guy who had been a convicted felon, uh, which again, I got in trouble. It definitely set me back. More details on that later. <laughs> how I could still join the Marine Corps. Cause I was definitely in the plan when I was in college, but of course, greedier heads prevailed. So I didn't do that. But around the time of COVID in March of 2020, the way that leadership invested in us, entry-level guys, warehouse guys, and showed us how much we mattered. I made a declaration to myself that I was never going to go anywhere else. I was never going to seek another job that I was pretty much going down with the ship one way or the other. And one thing I love about working at First Form is that while a lot of businesses really did close down and shut down and they felt this societal pressure to close their doors to their people, First Form did everything that they could to make sure that we were taken care of by any means necessary. And with that in mind, one of our core values is loyalty. And I decided that that was a company and a family that I could be loyal to for the rest of my life. And I've gone so far as to say that I will never quit. You'll have to fire me or kill me. <laughs> so that said, being entry level is not fun. It's not easy. You really have to subside your ego if you have big goals for yourself. And I had to subside my ego quite a bit still, even though I bought into the people and the culture and I had gotten to know everyone and I started to see everyone as friends. The truth was, is that my ego and my impatience was setting me back. So with that in mind, I decided to just go all in on personal development throughout the 
really the height of the pandemic um, to where I did Andy's mental toughness program a uh, total of three times in two years, just the 75 day portion. I also did phases one and two. And right after that, when I thought that I was probably going to have to get comfortable where I was at for probably another six months or so, I had a conversation with a guy who I'm I'm very, very close with and who I appreciate very much, who, without whom I probably wouldn't be doing this. And his name was Cody Klein. And me and Cody had gotten to know each other for about 11 months. And something about the dude just pulls you in and makes you feel like, I got a lot to teach you and we're going to have a lot of fun together. And if you can work hard and be consistent and move the mission of this place forward, there is so much more that you still have to experience in life and I'll help you get there. But I really had to prove myself. (laughs) And I mean, really had to prove myself because this dude has been working for these companies for so long and he's learned so much. And he is just like my mom, blue collar, hardworking, really built from the ground up as a guy who never forgets his core values. And I'm very honored and humbled to know it. And when he essentially offered me a job with a salaried position, just like when I made that declaration that I would stick with the company forever, I said, with this same declaration, I'm going to see this through to everything that I can. Because I was figuring out more and more as I invested into people, guys, and I conversated with folks, the more that I could essentially gain leverage over my future. It was really in the power of communication. I would have to communicate to Cody all the things that I was doing to work on myself outside of my job. I would have to communicate with the people who really drove first form forward. And that's the the family, the, the, the people who just go through hell and high water to support our brand and to show the world that we're doing something different. And it was about communicating with myself about where I could get better and talking about what I really wanted and cutting out distractions and making sure that feeling that persisted in my, in my, in my mid twenties, that quarter life crisis never came back. Now, the hardest thing for me to do around this time was just really, really focus on being patient. I'm a guy who, when he decides he wants something, I just go for it. I just go for it. I throw all caution to the wind and I'm like, all right, let's fucking go. And sometimes it's more true than others, but largely and sincerely, I've I've really gotten to this point in life where I really should be either honestly dead or in prison, guys, because I had the audacity to do things that most people wouldn't do because they feared public humiliation or judgment. And I literally had just decided that no matter what, Every single person I talked to on the phone from that point forward, I was going to make an honest connection with as much as possible. Every single meeting I sat in, I was going to speak my mind. Like, yes, I would answer questions as they were asked of me. But more importantly, I would never cheat anybody on who I really was. I was never going to be artificial or fake for the sake of impressing people who aren't doing anything that I'm interested in and don't pay my bills. I was going to be fully invested into every single person who I had the opportunity to build a relationship with and add some kind of value to their life. And because of that, my my, my pay has gone up. My living standard has gone up. I, I drive a car that I've dreamed about pretty much since my early years of college. And it's nothing, it's nothing extravagant. I'm not rolling around in like a Ferrari or anything, but I love it. And I love that I manifested it. And that's really... 
where we find ourselves today. I still work at First Form. Uh, if you don't know, you won't know. It is late July right now. It is July 29th. And as of about three-ish weeks from now, a little under three weeks from now, I'll be celebrating my three years at First Form. Still consistent with that thousand days concept that Andy brought forth uh, in his podcast, Real AF, which I can't recommend enough, whether you're into personal development, contemporary events, uh, hearing dudes tell it like it is. I don't know of a person who's better than that than Andy. And where we find ourselves today, as far as me doing this podcast is, guys, I want to continue to build a brand that is all about communication, sharing lifestyles, sharing contemporary events, discussion, communication, relationship building, contemporary events. You're probably going to hear me bitch and whine more than you will ever imagine. That's the other thing, though, is that this is my outlet to talk about things that bother me with people who hopefully care and want to be a part of that conversation. And if you learn anything from my story, if any part of my story today inspired you as you are now a part of this conversation, this ongoing conversation, this 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 intimate relationship between, I guess, podcaster and listener, content creator and audience, if anything I've done has inspired you, that's amazing. And I love it. And I, I'm so fortunate that I get to be a part of that, that me, the guy who's literally in a position where I talk on phones all day because I was told I have the strength of never shutting the fuck up, that I get to communicate with you guys. And look, this show is going to get way more polished. I have really big things in mind. I'm not going to act like they're anything more than just getting better at editing and actually executing on what I've learned, but my content will evolve. The conversation will evolve. And for all the people that, again, that any part of my story inspired where I'm living a good life now. I'm not fucking around outside of the law. I'm heavily involved in helping people get better every day. I'm glad I get to be a part of that. But if maybe you're not inspired, but you're curious, I want to leave you with a question of saying, what inspires you? I'm inspired by training montages. I'm inspired by great public speakers. I'm inspired by patriotism. I am inspired by unorthodox, out of left field, totally bonkers ideas. And I want to be enveloped where I can bring those to people. That's what inspires me and I'm doing it. While this first podcast is probably gonna be the roughest thing I ever do, I finally got out there and I did it, which is awesome because this has been one that's been on my bucket list for a long time. This and writing a book. Don't worry, that's coming too. But as for right now, what inspires you? Because if it's not me, I want to encourage you to go out and find it. My whole life, I looked up to superheroes, and then it was the bad guy, and then it was the blue-collar guy, and it's still the blue-collar guy. And getting here has been a blue-collar effort, one that I am so humbled, so humbled I get to share with you. But if you don't know what inspires you, then I hope you fucking figure it out. But if you don't figure it out on your own, I'm happy to help you. And with that, guys, I'm going to sign off for this uh, first ever episode of Can We Talk About This? I want to invite you to follow me on Instagram. My handle is at the daily, T-H-E-D-A-I-L-Y underscore Murph, M-U-R-P-H. And I'll catch you on the next one.